providing tips and guidance to help you grow your business. You're listening to the Advisor to Advisor podcast, advice for advisors from advisors. Welcome to Advisor to Advisor podcast. I'm Scott Hansen. And I'm Pat McLean. Today, we're going to talk about some of the things that really matter in your business. That that might seem insignificant. Yeah, they're the little things. They're the little things. You know, it's a fun, our business is an interesting business because it what what do we sell? It how do people judge us? Yes. How do they right? I mean, so we take we give them a financial advice. Is that good or bad? Well, if they trust you, then it's then it must be pretty good. Is the are the if you're managing their money? How, are the return? Are this is this good? Should so, I feel good about this? Well, let's go back to the word "sell," Scott, because many financial advisors, including ourselves, including ourselves, don't view ourselves as salespeople, okay. and we're not salespeople. Our job is to communicate in a manner that the clients can understand and implement, and and follow a plan. Correct. And it is it sales? Is it not sales? I would say. It has more to do with effective communication and effective communication often has everything to do in the context in which it is being distributed via emails, person, visually. And that's where the little things come in. And people will judge us on things that they know and understand. Correct. Not the things I they remember can't. years ago. We had a, uh, a newsletter and a woman pointed out to me that she says, you know, I appreciate the content in your newsletter, but there's some grammatical errors in it. And, and we're she, not writers, but she was. She was. And so she said to me, she says, I don't really understand your business. I do understand mine. And when I see mistakes, I judge you, the whole company, based upon the errors that you make on something that I understand. Which is? Really, how we helped develop this philosophy of the little things matter. The little things matter. And so we're just going to kind of go through on this podcast of a bunch of little things. Our objective is that when you're done, that you're going to think that those two or those three items that they talked about, small, easy things to implement, I'm going to implement in my own practice and my own business. That's our objective here today. Yeah. And remember, people judge you on many, many different factors. What you say what you write, what they see, and how they feel. So let's kind of start with the very first contact they will have with you, the very first impression they will have. And today, most of the time, it's a digital contact. It's through your website, through your mobile app. And now, if let's say you're a small firm, you don't have much budget for a website, that's fine, but you need to have at least clean, have something that states something that resonates with who you really are, who your firm really is. And it needs to be uh, displayed on a mobile, uh, in a mobile technology. Yes, oftentimes you'll go and you look at somebody, try to do it on their, and we all look at something on our phone, let's face it. Yeah. So, and and we, we've talked in other podcasts more about websites, we're not gonna spend a lot of time on that. But the other first contact is telephone. So someone says, I've heard about your firm, or my friend said I should contact you, I've got your number, I'm gonna pick up the phone, give you a call. Far too often, somebody calls an advisor and the phone is answered by some voice system. Correct. Not a live human. Most businesses are that way now, right? You call an organization. It's a phone tree. First sales, press one. First, your call's so important to us. That's why we haven't bothered to hire anyone to answer the calls, but it's really important. Look, 
what we're in a personal touch business. People can avoid us and use a robo advisor. Right? They don't understand what we do, frankly, anyway. Yeah. Oftentimes. At the start, anyway. Oftentimes. So it's super important that you have a live person answering the call who's friendly, who's engaging, who's professional. Yeah. And your, and your phone number needs to be prominently displayed on your website. Prominently displayed on I your was, website. I'm not going to name the firm. A $10 billion firm, I was in the town that they're headquartered. I drove by their office. And I thought, oh, that's where their office is. I said, I wonder if this is their main office. So I go on their website. And I could not find, I couldn't find a phone number or address. I kept searching around. It was the strangest thing. And I thought if I was a prospective client and I'm, I'm trying to pull up a phone number, I could not find the phone number. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it needs to be prominently displayed on your, on your web, uh, on the website, as well as when you do answer the phone. Actually, I had someone answer a phone this morning. I called a, I was talking to a firm, but when I called to talk to the principal at the firm, it was answered by someone on a speakerphone, which was the strangest thing. Oh, <laughs> that was exactly. <laughs> that's exactly. I'm in the middle of trade. <laughs> that was exactly how it sounded, Scott. That's hilarious. That was funny. That's hilarious. That was a pretty good imitation of what it sounded like. But when and when the phone's answered, how many times we've had this? Hi, I'm calling for Bill Smith. Uh, hold, please. Then all of a sudden you get Bill Smith's voicemail, and you thought, "Doggone it! I didn't ask for his voicemail. I called mm. for Bill Smith." Now I always I've learned to I train myself to say is Bill Smith available? Can you please let me know? Because I'm, so often people throw people to voicemail. We don't do that at Handsome McLean. Someone calls. Oh, I'm calling for my advisor, Bill Smith. Hold on, let me see if he's available. First thing they do, and if they're not available, we will offer to let them to speak to someone else in the firm that could satisfy their needs at that point in time. Now, typically, frankly. Uh, it'll go to a, a good client service associate prior to an advisor. But anytime someone calls for a specific person, voicemail is given as a last option. So first of all, let's see if we can handle your problem today. Whatever it is, you're calling in for something. Can we fix that for you today? And voicemail is the last option. We give people that option, but it's a, the last thing. It's not just thrown to that. And so often people do that. And I tell you, if someone's thinking I'm going to talk to two different advisors, and they call one and they get a voicemail. They call someone else, a very professional firm. Someone answers and treats them like a human being. Um, you know, they're more apt to use that firm. So it's a big deal. We also, we return all phone calls within four hours. So when there is a message left, our rule here in the office, all emails and phone calls returned within four hours. Just simple courtesy, actually. It's getting back to people, treating people like human. And the phone is still a very important thing. And uh, Yeah, if someone takes the time to call you, give them the courtesy of returning the call. So their first contact, right, through either a, a website, now they make a phone call. So the next is there's some meeting. They're in your office. They come into your office. Now, when our first office, we first opened it, we picked one right close to my house, between my house and Pat's house, because it'd be the most convenient for us <laughs> well, to keep our commute down. Here's what we did. We were in the greater Sacramento area. We had absolutely, I think we had maybe $2 million under management, something like that, $3 million. Maybe. Maybe. We're, we're just not a lot. Not a lot. Not a lot. We took a map out and we looked at Sacramento County where we live and where we work. And we identified the three busiest intersections in Sacramento County. So if you're in L.A. County or you're in uh, Cook County, you might determine the three biggest 
metro area, areas. metro areas or where freeways come together based upon where your clients are or multiple offices. We do the same thing when we're identifying uh, locations for new offices today. Yeah, and we have three just in the Sacramento region yeah. today. Based, but it's all based upon where the customers are, where the clients are, where the clients are going to be cruising through. Not where you live. So that's kind of a first thing. What's, uh, what's what the location? The second thing is, what's the look and feel of the building itself, right? It, it needs to be appropriate for the clientele. It needs to be appropriate for the clientele. Yeah, if you're dealing with ultra high net worth people. Then you might want to be in a high rise downtown, even though it, it isn't. Thus, you know, it might not be the greatest location for you. It might be what they, those clients, if you're working with the mass affluent as we do, we have a tendency to put our offices in major suburbs of a large metropolitan area, but class A space for Definitely us. Definitely class A space. Class I A space. I think for anybody in our industry. Well, not, yeah. Well, you know. Unless you're selling garbage A products. class A space for, if I'm in Fairfield, Iowa, uh, it's hard to find Class A space. Oh, whatever. <laughs> it, it needs to be nice. Even yeah. if you're in a strip mall, strip center. It needs to be a nice You don't want to have the old run-down strip center. That is correct. You want to have the newest one in your town. Yeah. Right? Edward Jones does a pretty they good job of actually putting themselves in halfway decent uh, yeah. strip centers. Uh, Although I wouldn't put my office in a strip center. But uh, coming to the office, our office, we don't have a bunch of magazines sitting around, daily newspapers sitting around. It's uh, very clean. We have uh, uh, picture books. From a, we get to, on Amazon on a variety of different topics, gardening, and now mostly cars, we, or the books that uh, we have all, written ourselves, and the ones we've written ourselves. But we have these books there, so oftentimes people, as they're waiting, they flim through something that's it's peaceful and something that they enjoy instead of you know make America great again on the TV or something, right? And so there's no new, news blaring at them, yeah. getting the daily grind. It's something to to kind of put them at ease, give them some peace. We and, we and, used to run. Uh, we used to years and years ago run uh, Bloomberg Bloomberg uh, in the lobby, and we realized it was distracting to the clients. Well, they're looking at the ticker t- tape. Yeah, it was distracting the clients. Now we run a loop about handsome McLean. And by the way, if uh, we find if there's a client who's enjoying that book, as they leave the office, we will give them that book. And they think it's amazing. Well, you're going to let me have this? It's wonderful. This is our but European we have many, cottages. Many, you're giving me this book on the, European cottages. That's really nice of you. And then someone goes online and clicks one button, and Amazon has the three three of those same books sitting in our office the next day. But it's those little things. Of course, we have the coffee. Um, we make fresh-baked cookies that um, we, we little, buy frozen little chunks of, and they give you another. Not if you necessarily do cookies. Just something that is warm, inviting, makes people feel welcome and at home but clean and professional. Yeah, the look of your office, remember the look of your lobby, oftentimes is where they start either liking you or disliking you just based on the look and feel of that. How they are treated when the phone rings versus when they come in, how how that whole experience I mean, think goes. about it. We've all been to doctor's offices where you go in, it's the lobby's packed, the chairs are old and gross, there's this glass window between you and the person you want to talk to. Write your name on some... Fill out some form that looks up and it's been copied about 800 times. Yeah. It's barely and legible. Give your social security number, which I will never do on a doctor's office form. You don't? Never. <laughs> Isn't that how they identify you? I, I do not you ever. You don't trust. You're looking it, around and I don't trust this guy with my social yeah, security Yeah, I do not write anyway. my social security number down, nor should you. Thank you, Equifax. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, um, 
I've lost totally lost my shit. So no. if you 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 can know what bad looks like. Now imagine a Ritz Carlton. What good Fresh looks like? Fresh flowers, warm greeting. You feel like an invited guest. It's, you need the same sort of feeling. Maybe, maybe not quite the level of Ritz Carlton, but you should strive fresh, for that. We have fresh flowers delivered each week to our office. We should strive flowers, for that. Live plants throughout the office. Now, when you go your advisor office, what we believe we want to have a, an environment where a client feels that it's a collaborative process, and where they feel that they still have some freedom and not trapped in where they're going to be sold. So there's no big advisor behind the big desk, and they're the little peons on the other side. Yeah, we do everything on a round table. In the advisor's office, we have chairs that both swivel and roll, and they tilt back and forth. And the idea being is that you have freedom of movement if you're in that office. So you're actually sitting next to the advisor. The clients are sitting next to the advisor. They're not sitting across from the advisor like they're at the principal's office over this big table. We try to make it collaborative. We use the large screen televisions. I don't even think they call them TVs monitors. any. They're, They're monitors. monitors. <laughs> I'm showing my age here. Um, we have monitors where we present uh, if we wanted, information. If they, yeah. I mean, we try to have most of the conversation just sitting around talking about, because it's really about we're trying to accomplish our clients' goals and objectives in their lives, right? Uh, but the monitors are used to maybe we want to look at the portfolio allocation or something, and we can put it up on a nice big screen monitor so they can still stay there comfortably at their... Um, at their desk. And going the through the desk. seven personal decision points, which is our financial planning process that we have developed, do it on the monitor, but we have the paper backup source on the table that the client gets to leave the office with in a nicely bound package. Every piece of paper that you deliver to a client matters. Yes. So don't buy the absolute cheapest paper that you can have. You're sending a client a letter regarding something or you're having some thank you cards, by the way, handwritten thank you cards are still so powerful. We send out a number of personal thank you cards. Actually, every new Platinum and A client, someone with $500,000 or more who joins the firm, I personally will write a thank you note uh, to each one of them when they come on board. Thanks for being part of Handsome McLean. Just again, it's a little touch. And they're nice stock. It's not the cheapest little thank you cards you can buy. So just think the idea behind this whole podcast today is to get you to think about the look and feel of your office and try to view it from the client's point of view. Try to view the experience from the client's point of view. And of course, as we grow, you might have that mindset, but then as you bring on other employees, other associates, they don't always have that same mindset. And that's where training your associates is so important on things such as how to even communicate, how to speak. So one, instead of saying, yeah, no problem. I'll get that for you. Right? Someone calls, they're missing something. Yeah, no problem. I'll get it for you. It's, yeah, what's wrong with saying it would be my pleasure? Yeah. I'm so glad you called. I, hey, I'd, I'm happy to do this. and it, it, um, It'll be my pleasure. Yeah, my pleasure to take care of it for you. Anything else I can do for you, Mr. Johnson? I'm glad you called. It was, it was nice to uh, chat with you a bit today. It doesn't take that long to have but, a little... But it needs to become cultural in your organization. And you need to train to that. It's just... It's, responding the proper way that people feel like they're not being bothersome. Even things like, for example, um, when someone calls, they have an issue. How often are you, do you have an issue with a company? You call, you talk to someone you really don't know, some service department. They say, okay, I'll do that. And then you think, I wonder if they're going to do that for me. Are they going to get that project done? Then you think about it. 
And then two days have gone by, and you're like, doggone it, I haven't heard anything. Is it done or isn't it done? Then you call back. And what we do here at Hanson McLean, someone says, all right, hey, hey, Mr. Smith, just to let you know, I own this. I'm going to take care of it. I'm going to have it done by Friday. If it's not done by Friday, I'll reach out to you. Just, I just want you to know, I've got your back. I own this. Continue on with your life and don't even worry about it again. Yeah. And then we call the client and let them know it's resolved. That's a little thing. Doesn't yeah. take much. But it's important again, though. It's those little things that make an issue. We, we even have our own water bottles that have handsome McLean on them. I think they cost us 80 some odd cents. Actually, they're, they're a little less than that, but they were about 80 cents. Did Pat negotiate I did negotiate. <laughs> Someone did. Last I checked, they were running the mid-60s. All right, mid-60s. So, but they, they look nice. It's a little professional thing. Um, you know, sometimes just little things like that. I think our number one uh, client, we have nice pens that our clients can have, but they're eyeglass cleaners. Yeah, the clients like that. They like the eyeglass cleaners with yeah. their logo on them for whatever reason. But um, Nice pens. Just little little things like that. And Particularly, the cl- if you're a small company, these things make you look like a big company. That's why we do this. Look, we compete... As an investment advisory firm, we compete with the large firms. We compete why does, with. Why, does, why do Merrill Lynch, Fidelity, Schwab, why do they rank in so much assets? Because their brand is huge. Everybody knows their brand. And actually, they don't know what's going to happen there. They just know that they've been around for a long time and that they're big. And they think, you know, if I get, if they take, they're not going to take advantage of me. And if something goes south, they'll make me, they'll make good on it. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> but they, but that's what they believe. They Maybe. believe they're not going to get stolen. We also allow our, our client service people to send send gifts to clients thank you gifts just because gifts just we allow them we know it more than allow we encourage we monitor to make sure that we encourage that they that they actually reach out to that they develop relationships with the clients as well as the advisors matter of fact uh we're talking about little things but having quality staff our advisors only do those things that a financial advisor can do Everything else, everything else is delegated. And sometimes people look at our model and say, how can your advisors have so many clients? That's unheard of. Well, because they've got great support people behind them. And if you think about it from an economic perspective, um, you know, any kind of business looks at your, the highest labor, you're going to make sure that they're doing the most valuable thing in the organization. And if there's something they're doing that someone at a lower uh, pay scale can do, you'll have that done. It says, we do the same thing in, this, in our advisory firm. So our advisors can serve uh, a, a lot of people. And it, um, and it works. It works. works better for the client. It works better for the advisor. Um, it works better for the firm as a whole. Yeah. So I see Pat will walk around the office and he'll see a little tiny piece of paper or a little something that someone's dropped and pick them up. You do that as, in part to make sure the office looks pristine, but to show other people that it's these little things. Oh yeah, yeah, and and that there's nothing should be uh, below any of us in terms of making sure that the look and feel of the office is appropriate. And making sure if you, in your office don't have all your working papers scattered all over oh, the yeah. place. Don't do that, please. In don't the corner, do that. Uh, don't do that. Up. Don't do that. Don't do that. Now your clients might live like that at home, but not all of them. And the ones that I actually personally wouldn't work with a professional that that had piles on the floor. Ever. Ever. You but would just you, sit through the meeting, Pat. Yeah, that you is would correct. walk in, you would go uh, look about at to it. get in your chair, and you'd pop right back up and I walk would out look and say, this guy's disorganized, this lady's disorganized. I don't want to work with disorganized people. I don't want to work in a firm that's disorganized. Remember, it's all, try to look at everything with, 
How might others perceive this? Yeah. How because might a client look at it? When was the last time you drove into your parking lot and walked through the front door and pretended you had never been there before? Just do it. Just do it. Drive to work one day. Look at the neighborhood around you. Look at how you get there and pretend you've never done it before and walk through the front door and pretend you've never done it before. Or call right, your Pat, own office. Years ago, you, we had a, a Hans McLean Retirement Network. We trained other advisors on we were helping people retire from big companies. And there was somebody in, I think, Philadelphia. Yeah, Philly. And uh, Pat was went to go visit him at his office, and they're driving to his office. They're about to pull in, and Pat says, that's fine. We're not even going in your office because you're moving. Because the neighbor was so crappy to drive through. And it, yeah, it was, and it was exactly the wrong place. He did move. He moved to... A very busy location near the closer to an interchange. Very successful advisor. And very, very successful advisor. And look, the next time the markets go through a big downturn and you're saying, no, we have the proper allocation. And they're thinking, well, I'm still down. Should I fire this advisor? It all comes into play. It all comes into play. Well, this relationship is about trust. The more they trust you, the more they'll follow you, the more they're going to take your advice. And the more you should respect that trust and honor it. Well, of course, but you need to earn it as well. And part of the way you earn it is through these little things. So hopefully you picked out a couple ideas that you might be able to use in your own practice, your own business to make you more successful. So glad you took some time to listen to our podcast today. Thanks. The contents of this podcast are exclusively intended for financial professionals. 